Eminem and Eminem. It is so fun to say. Yeah, that's one way to say it. Welcome to Things I Got Wrong, your general trivia podcast with a healthy dose of internet and media things. I'm Ryan Bott. I'm Rachel Miller. I'm Stuart Hopkins. I believe in it. Like, until they show us evidence that we're not, we are. I'm sure Bob and Doug, is that their names? Bob and Doug? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure they're listening and I'm sure they're enjoying it. I was going to say, they have a long, they have a long car trip. Yeah. It's elevator music. I mean, what else I are you going to listen like to some while epic, you're on hold? Yeah. I hope they had like some epic, like, um, eye of the tiger moment where yes. they're getting out of the car. I hope and, so. Like the fight music starts. <laughs> kind of always dreamed of that if I do ever do anything epic. Yeah. What do they do in all their downtime? Do they like play floating cards? No, they, they're there. They're like on a science mission. So they have to work when they're up there. No, it was cool. We watched we watched part of it. We were doing uh it was a while ago. We were we were doing me and Rachel thing. were doing an art stream, like a live stream kind of thing. That's like an art class. And they were watching it, so then we started watching it on a separate screen too. <laughs> it's it's pretty cool. There's a certain point where it's like it makes sense to the mind that the rocket goes straight up and then it starts breaking like different, you know, like higher and higher elevation, and then you see it just start flattening out and you're like this feels like in part of my brain the part where they then start descending back down and that's really scary (laughs) but they don't they just kind of wiggle and they go like horizontal because the axis of like or you know huh right and the fuel cost to go just straight up is immense but like if you hit the curve then it's way way easier to break out of there Mm. yeah because the magnetic axes I think are at the the, the poles yeah (laughs) yeah because they got delayed because of weather. bad weather and stuff. And I think at some point you have to wonder, it's like, why do they do all this in Florida? Because like the state that has weather, bad weather every day at 3 p.m. that you can set your watch to. Although, yeah, I remember when we were watching it, the, I've, I've heard and I've sort of seen the highlight of the, um, the relanding the booster but I didn't realize how like intense and finite that is. They're like landing it is on like a very tiny barge. Like they landed the the reusable boat booster on like the Titanic door. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. I didn't think about that. Yeah, if I ever went to space, I would want it to be like Ender's Game style. I want to go through so many tests that I don't even know when the real one happens. to just be like oh no you already did it you're here it's like oh oh thank god (laughs) i thought this was just another tuesday test sim well yeah we'll get right on that and uh we'll be up in space in no time recording maybe episode 50 up in space oh boy wow that's that'll be that'll be real quick right you never know but uh (laughs) if anyone can get us there (laughs) uh yeah and uh in the meantime though this is the 47th ever episode and we have four rounds of questions for these three to uh compete and earn points and vie for all the space points in the world space Space points oh boy space points and uh space points space it's secret you can't let anyone else know 
And uh, if you are ready, we'll start as always with general trivia. General trivia, question number one. Each answer will be worth two points. Be sure to buzz in and call out when you know it. Uh, question number one. Three U.S. states, New York, Massachusetts, and Ohio, all have outstanding warrants, largely for deception and fraud against what notable figure who's rare to be seen but once a year? <laughs> yes. <laughs> what is that? The groundhog who shows up in Pennsylvania every year. Oh. <laughs> I have, yes. I just... <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> Three states, New York, Massachusetts, and Ohio, all have outstanding warrants for his arrest, largely for deception and fraud, for not truthfully telling if it's spring or winter. That one's fun. There's actually, like, legit, uh, well, legit, but, like, you know, tongue-in-cheek uh, arrest warrants out that come out on, like, social media every year. Uh, question number two. Authors Aldous Huxley and C.S. Lewis both died on November 22nd, 1963, but were both overshadowed in the news by what more notable American death that same day? Rachel. Oh. Rachel? Um, JFK? Yes. JFK dying uh, November 22nd, 1963. Same day as Aldous Huxley and C.S. Lewis both. Uh, two points to Rachel there. Question number three. It takes more than a few people to do the arm movements justice. So tell me, in 1978, what group wrote the song YMCA? The village people. What? <laughs> okay. Wait, Riot Fest? Or... <laughs> oh, I thought, I know I thought you said ask. Riot Fest. I was like, he went without me? <laughs> <laughs> Young man. Uh, but yeah, it takes a village. It takes more than a few people to do the arm movements justice. That would be the village people. Question number four. What German word, literally meaning bound day or meeting for the day, represents the German federal parliament and is the only body directly elected by the German people? What is this word? So it might be a tough one. Uh, meeting for the day. So if you... You know any German, you might be able to pull some of it together. <laughs> uh, this is a tough one. This is uh, the equivalent to uh, the German federal parliament is the Bundestag. Yeah, yeah, no, I was uh, not going to be right. <laughs> uh, zero points there. Question number five. Roxham Road, despite being a small country road, has been an international footpath for thousands of asylum seekers and expats and is considered the largest unofficial crossing between what two countries? Roxham Road. Rachel? Rachel. Ireland and Northern Ireland? Uh, no. Despite being a small country road, has been an international footpath for thousands of asylum seekers and expats and is considered the largest unofficial crossing between what two countries? I need to, like, print out a world map and just keep it above <laughs> where I record. Is it? Because, <laughs> like, I don't... No other guesses? No. No. Uh, Roxham Road would be found. Uh, it is a small outside the city crossing uh, that takes place from New York to Quebec. This would be from the U.S. to Canada. Oh, 
It's not really the Canadians (laughs) leaving so much. Um, Or it happens, I don't know, well, and it's not necessarily U.S. fleeing to Canada. It is other immigrants from one place or another, um, supposedly. And I, I tried to look some of this up. I didn't quite understand all the research, but there is some loophole um, in like 2003 or four where I forget the verbiage. So I don't, I don't want to say things and get it wrong in a situation, in a you know, topic like this, but essentially if a family who were not, uh, who were maybe uh, refugees or expats in America try to come into Canada, they would, from official means, they have to then be sent back to the country that essentially granted them first asylum, which would send them straight back to the U.S. But essentially, uh, there are, from what I understand, very calm uh, Canadian police officers along this road who will essentially find people physically coming up the road and say, here's the deal. You can either go five miles west and you can go through the official uh, thing, which we recommend, but that may just take you straight back to the U.S. Or you can cross here. We will arrest you. But because we arrest you in Canada, you can then claim like political asylum and you can start your drafting to be Canadian citizens. <laughs> so I don't know the details, but it's quite fascinating. And as I've kept up on some you know, news between countries and stuff, uh, Roxham Road is certainly a, a topical um, thing, especially dealing with immigration in Canada and whatnot. Um, so yeah, uh, no points there. Uh, question number six, last question of the round. Invented by accident while working on devices to help keep equipment steady at sea, what toy is said to, quote, gracefully walk down instead of falling? Rachel. Weevil's wobble. That's right. I have a, a my neighbor Totoro Weevil for the kids. <gasps> oh my it is God. so cute. I don't think I know what a weeble is. They're, they were popular in the 80s, early 90s. Um, but it's just like, it's just a toy with like a round bottom on it and like a figure on top of it. But it's weighted at such a low center of gravity that like it, you, oh. you can push it and it just yeah. won't fall down. It just sits back up. Got it. Yeah. But uh, that is the end of the round. All right. Uh, round number two. This is the themed round. And uh, this theme is uh, trivia about Shakespeare. Oh, boy. But soft, what light. Uh, I Through have six yonder questions. window breaks. Right. Uh, oh <laughs> From man. Romeo and Juliet. But soft, what light through yonder window breaks. Oh. It is the east. Oh. Is it? Pretty much. Well, except for Kareem is really, really good. <laughs> <laughs> of three days. Of three days. <laughs> I, I can't remember if I've said it on the show before, but we, we covered it when I was in high school and we had an assignment to all basically live act uh, a scene of the play. So oh, me man. and uh, I think three or four of my, of my friends, we all got together. We did the scene with um, basically the big fight between Mercutio and Tibbet and the others. Yeah. I forget their names off the top of my head. But we didn't really have any gear. So we, my friend brought, um, I don't know what they're called, but they're those like plastic, like three or four foot long tubes that you swirl and they go, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh my God, I love those. <laughs> 
So we got on yeah. our school's auditorium stage in front of the class and we all just dressed the best we could in gear that was basically like track pants and whatever sort of felt like fighting gear. And we did the whole scene to the point where we all took out these plastic things and we were just like yelling our lines and just going. It's a good time. But with that being said, uh, let's get straight into it. Uh, these are questions about him himself, uh, stuff relating to the plays, all sorts of stuff. Uh, question number one. What theater that still exists today was first built in 1599? Rachel. What? Rachel. The Globe Theater. Yes. Uh but yeah, built in 1599 by Shakespeare's play company and then had been burnt down, rebuilt, shut down, reopened. Uh, this would be the Globe Theater. An inspiration also, to us all. <laughs> also, some, I almost made it a question and I didn't, but I think it's really interesting, especially when it comes to like English writing and stuff, that um, the King James Version of the Bible was written and produced in Shakespeare's lifetime, which Whoa. seems absurd to think about in some ways. Like it came out in 1640-ish. I forget the date off the top of my head. Uh, well, I'll also give another fun fact about book writing is that all of Shakespeare, none of what we have of Shakespeare is pretty, was ever written by him. These are written down people who went to plays and stuff we assume it's word for word, but it could be different. Like it would be, they would listen to the plays and like write down the lines as they had them. Oh. Yeah. Well, supposedly, I mean, cause again, this is just more research I did while I was making this round, but because copyright didn't exist in any conceivable way that a lot of plays, especially early on were essentially the lines were given to the actors right before they said their part and like, or like piecemealed as they went. <laughs> Uh, which is crazy. <laughs> All right, question number two. Uh, two points to Rachel on that one. Uh, question number two. Although there's very little known about her, what wife of Shakespeare shares her name with Rachel. a modern... Rachel. Anne Hathaway. Yes, Anne Hathaway. This might... <laughs> at least the first two were a little basic, so maybe, it, maybe it's a little more to Rachel's round, but... Uh, We'll see. She might run away with it. <laughs> uh, question number three. Cowards die many times before their death. The valiant never taste of death but once. Was said by what title character after being urged not to go to the Senate that day? It's me, Julius Caesar. Do I? <laughs> A2 bot? A2, A2 Brutus? Brutus. U yeah. U2 oh, Brutus, yeah. like as yeah. his friend betrays him yeah a story of hope yeah that's one way to say it uh and that was in the 1500s <laughs> <laughs> especially right. considering that dollars didn't exist then it's really incredible right <laughs> talk about space points space points uh, space points uh, space points space question number four Charles Dodgson is generally considered the second most quoted English author behind Shakespeare for his newly invented words like snark, mimsy, frabjo, and jabberwocky. 
Uh, by what pen name is Dodgson better known? Rachel. Oh, rap. Rachel. Milton. John Milton. Not Milton, although that's a good okay. guess. Charles I, Dodgson. I just know he was around that time, so. Most... Yeah. Crap, 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 crap. I can't tell if you're buzzing in or making space noises. <laughs> Me? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I'm not buzzing in. I'm like tr- I. I know the books that they're famous for, like. Because <sighs> <laughs> of Jabberwocky, like I know, like I know what this is. I just, I, I, can, I can't think of the last name. I know the first name. I can't think of the last name. <laughs> the second most quoted English author behind Shakespeare for his newly invented words like snark, mimsy, frabjois, and oh, Jabberwocky. Oh, stew, 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 stew. Lewis Carroll. Yes. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I didn't even like think. Like I was thinking like 1500s like Shakespeare. I was like, I can't get outside of this time. Jesus. No, it's okay. Cuz Jabberwocky, like that's like that yeah. was the one that mm-hmm. tipped me off. A Lewis Carroll, uh Alice in Wonderland through the looking glass, whatnot. Um original name is Charles Dodgson. Uh two points to stew there. Question Ooh. number 5. Which of Shakespeare's plays has the most deaths by body count? Uh, not Hamlet. Really? Rachel. Rachel. Macbeth? Not Macbeth. I swear if it's... I swear. Do you have a guess? I have a second clue on this one. I mean, I can't... Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> uh, not Romeo and Juliet. Uh, right. Right. <laughs> Uh, which of Shakespeare's plays has the most deaths by body count, beating out Hamlet slightly, in part because an entire Turkish military fleet sinks? Oh. Rachel? Rachel. Richard III? No, not Richard III. I've got like a long list of, of books if you want me to continue. <laughs> I'm just going to start guessing, and I don't, I haven't, like, I, I can keep like listing, but I don't think that, I don't know anything about these books, I just know their titles. <laughs> Any other guesses? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, do you want to take a stab before? <laughs> I got nothing. I, you guys named all the ones I knew. Right. Uh, I mean, you can go down the list if you want to for no points, Rachel, but. Okay, let's start with Henry V. Nope. Henry VII. Nope. Um, the Merchant of Venice. Nope. Twelfth Night. Nope. <laughs> King Lear. So, uh, nope. Although, <laughs> side note, that's my favorite. Uh, so this is um, the Turkish fleet that did not survive the storm. So the battle, uh, I believe, outside of Venice. Uh, this would be Othello. Oh, it's Othello? I didn't even remember that. I've read Othello and I didn't remember that at all. So this one is maybe a little controversial because outside of an entire military fleet that is only briefly mentioned that sinks killing off uh, probably hundreds of people. Uh, it would have been, uh, it goes down the line from, from most, for, except for not part of the literal question. <laughs> uh, Othello, Hamlet, Titus, and Jonicus, Antony and Cleopatra, and then King Lear is fifth worst by death percentage. So 
No points there. Uh, question number six. Last question of the round. In the 1996 pistol-wielding rival gang adaptation of Romeo and Juliet, uh, which features Claire Danes across from what actor playing Romeo Montague? Rachel. Rachel. Leonardo DiCaprio? Yes, that is correct. It's a wonderfully terrible movie. <laughs> I don't remember it being very good. It was awful, but it was great at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's, like, wonderfully awful. It's, like, one of those movies, if you're just looking for a terrible movie that everyone agrees is terrible, but at the same time, it's kind of like a cult classic. <laughs> just because of how weird it is. With I think I was looking it up a little bit. The pistols are literally named uh, Swords and Sabres or something like that. And the uh, FedEx-ish company that runs throughout the movie is called Post Haste. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of those. Yeah. Also, fun fact, uh, the like the person who tries to become Juliet's fiance in the movie, who like, you know, bids for her hand in the play is played by Paul Rudd, Ant-Man. Oh, really? What? <laughs> so uh, that is the end of the round and going into halftime, the scores are as follows. Stu with two points, one foot out of the fort. Ooh. So. Oh, boy. All right, let's get into round number three. Uh, this is one I am looking forward to. Uh, I think Stu had done kind of a similar round, but I started looking up some research on this one. I had to do it. It's what I'm calling Gastro Obscura, which uh, is uh, a round all about fictional food. Ooh. Oh, boy, this is going to be fun. Yes, I did Yeah, fictional uh, drinks think, quite a while ago. Oh, it's fictional drinks. Okay. I found the, I think I found the name from Atlas Obscura, which is a crazy, basically almanac of crazy things in the world. But uh, here are six uh, fictional foods. I'll give you a description and you need to tell me the product. Uh, two points for each correct answer. Call it when you know it. Question number one. These nutritious but bland wafer foods are all that's affordable to us non-elites. And in this dystopic, overcrowded future, it's the food secret ingredient that will kill us all. Oh, it's people. It's people. Soil and green is people. Don't tell the secrets, guys. Yeah, spoilers on a 50-year-old movie. Question number two. This green fizzy drink has all the bubbles go down instead of up. Uh, it tastes like vanilla and cream with faint traces of raspberry. Sophie and her larger-than-life friend get to enjoy all of its side effects. This green fizzy drink has all the bubbles go down instead of up and taste of vanilla and cream with a faint trace of raspberries. And Sophie and her larger-than-life friend... I can't tell if you're buzzing in. <laughs> I'm not buzzing in. I'm so upset because I... Stu's just making space noises. Space points. <laughs> space points. Dude, what is... Oh, my God. I don't have it. I'm dying over here. I don't have it. I should know Sophie it, but I don't. and her larger-than-life friend get to enjoy all of its side effects. No guesses? Should we just... Put Stu out of his misery. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this 
the media is from the BFG. It is. Okay. Oh. And uh, this soda or this fizzy drink is Frobscottle. Oh, okay. I wouldn't have gotten the name, but I had a feeling. Which has two very peculiar side effects. Uh, I'll give you a bonus point if you know what they are. All the bubbles go down instead of up. Oh. (laughs) You get smaller? No, you fart instead of burp. Ah. It allows you to fart and it allows you to fly. (laughs) (laughs) Ah. Well. Oh, yeah. Uh, So no points there. Uh, Question number three. While he wishes that fruit wasn't so rare, he has to gobble up all of these first before moving on. However, once his enemies turn blue, they look a lot tastier than these round Rachel. Pac-Man. Yes. Can you identify the... No. No. Oh, I don't... Oh, yeah, you're right. Do you know what the thing he's eating? Do you know what? No. I mean, it shouldn't be hard. Rachel raspberries? No. Oh, 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 God. Yeah, they're, they're power pellets from the Pac-Man games. You had the right media, but uh, yeah. While he wishes fruit wasn't so rare, he has to gobble up all of these first before moving on. However, once his enemies turn blue, they all look a lot tastier than these round drabs. These would be the power pellets. Uh, Question number four. This candy of most secret magic and engineering will certainly break your teeth if you try to chew it. Stu. Stu. Everlasting gobstopper. Yes. Uh, This candy of most secret magic and engineering, uh, but if you savor it, it will never shrink or disappear and will always change color and flavor forever. That would be... (laughs) <laughs> i mean you know the well <laughs> <laughs> but the thing about the everlasting gobstopper is you never you get so sick of it that you just need other candy and nothing satisfies like a wonka bar <laughs> <laughs> i mean if you've seen the documentary the business model is not necessarily the best part of his operation <laughs> but yeah it's really just right. all a money laundering scheme for his an engineering. On the, yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, two points to do there. Question number five. Thanksgiving at my family's house is always a surprise when family members like her show up. Every flavor imaginable always leads to surprise and no amount of magic can ever defend the risk you take eating these on the school trolley. Could you repeat the, the question again? Uh, yeah, Thanksgiving at my family's house is always a surprise when family members like her show up. Every flavor imaginable always leads to surprise, and no amount of magic can ever defi- can ever defend the risk you take eating these on the school trolley. Stu. Stu. Birdie Bot's ever flavored beans? Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> There's a risk to them. <laughs> Good old birdie bot. Stu, I have a very important question. Sure. Have you been required to memorize these by your wife because of her love for Harry Potter? Not required, no, but uh, I don't think we'd be married if it wasn't the case. (laughs) (laughs) 
It's kind of like how I heavily encourage Ryan to learn all the Lord of the Rings things. Right. It, it's not. It's not required. <laughs> it's not. Uh, but there is uh, a score <laughs> a credit system. <laughs> it is mandatory. <laughs> uh, birdie bots. Every flavor beans always leads to surprise. Uh, nice job. Two points to stew there. Question number six. A few of these cute and fluffy penguin-esque birds roasted over a fire will help nourish the more animalistic of you while you're isolated on a remote Jedi island. Yeah. Roast porg. Uh, it is probably not... <laughs> maybe not roasted ones. Uh, it's probably not best to wash this down with a big glass of blue milk, but hey, if it's all you got... That would be roast porg. All right. Uh, going into the fourth round. Uh, this round is a lightning round. Pew, 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 pew. pew, pew. Eclair. <laughs> it's French for yeah. lightning and also a dessert. So, re- oh. relevant. <laughs> dessert is relevant because I want it right now. I always want it. <laughs> all right it's just a fact. Uh, lightning round is where i'll give you a, a numerical generally kind of hypothesis guessing answer so this will be good this will go in fairly quick fashion so everybody will write down their answer and whoever is closest to gets two points question number one how many ridges are on the outside of a u.s quarter how many ridges are on the outside of a u.s quarter uh rachel 102. Stu. 146. Uh, Rachel is the closest. The U.S. quarter has what? 119. Oh, man. Ridges or reeds. 119. Uh, two points to Rachel there. Question number two. Uh, going back to William Shakespeare, not including the sonnets he wrote, how many plays are currently attributed to being written by William Shakespeare or created more to Rachel's point? Not including the sonnets, which I think there are at least 150 of how many plays oh, are currently attributed to, uh, this is a smaller number than that. Yeah. <laughs> Hint. Uh, how many plays are, can be attributed to William Shakespeare? Uh, Rachel. 37. Stu. Oh, I had 12. <laughs> uh, well, it's more than 12. Uh, it's more than 30. It Whoa. is exactly 37. What? A- according to his collection book, which are like the essentially the generated collection of his work, there are 37 plays. Wow. Wow. So uh, I'm going to give Rachel a bonus point for hitting it right on the head. Exact. Bonus I points. will fully admit that that was a guess out of the blue. I was thinking um, before anyone started going, I was thinking maybe 27 or 37. Seven sounds good. <laughs> nice job. We've always done a bonus point for hitting it exactly on the head. That's true. Uh, so three points to Rachel there. According or question number three, according to the University of Texas research in millions, how many M&Ms are produced every day around the world? How many M&Ms are produced around the day around the world or are produced every day around the world in millions? Uh, Stu. 102 million. 
uh, Rachel. Ten million. Uh, it is more than all of those. So Stu is closest, uh, but everyone's off by quite a bit. It is four hundred million M and M's produced every day. Dude, who? <laughs> <laughs> I was yeah, about so to say fun. who eats that much, but then I realized <laughs> that forty four. <laughs> That's right. We're <laughs> we haven't had M and M's in a long time. Uh, yes, it's because we we had to we had to stop getting up. <laughs> there was shame involved. <laughs> yes, heaven, heaven, ominous. It is so fun to say. Heaven, heaven, ominous. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Uh, two points to Stu there. Question number four. In feet, how long is Sue? One of the largest intact Tyrannosaurus Rex skeletons. In feet, how long is Sue? Uh, who normally takes up residence in the Chicago Field Museum. Uh, Rachel. 43? Stu? 80? Very close to the number is Rachel. It is 40 what? feet long. Whoa. I, I don't know how distances and proportions work, so I just throw out numbers. <laughs> it seems to work. Lightning-type rounds, you always do very well on them, and I do extraordinarily poor on them. But Sue is 40 feet long and 13 feet tall from f- bottom of the foot to top of the hip, since essentially the Tyrannosaurus Rex is horizontal that makes sense yeah so the highest point is the top of the back of the hips uh so but 40 feet long two points to rachel there question number five uh talking about kareem earlier kareem abdul jabbar is the nba's all-time scoring leader with how many points across 20 seasons (sighs) 20 seasons. He is the number one all-time scorer. How many how many how many games are in a season? 82. <laughs> 82. I don't know if it was different earlier like back in the 70s, but it is 82 today. Uh sorry, go, what's that, Rich? I said, "Can you repeat the question?" Yeah. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Uh you may have heard of him. He's kind of the Kareem of Kareems. Uh, is the NBA's all-time leading scorer with how many points total across 20 seasons? Rachel. 1,600? Two. 100,000? So I would say a good NBA player like LeBron James or Michael Jordan or, or Kareem probably scores somewhere around 30 points a game on average, 25 to 30 points a game on average. So... Players can get two or 3,000 points a season. The all-time scoring number is 38,387 points across wow. 20 seasons. I did 82 times 40 times 20, and then I just said 100,000 because I was like, well, this is off. I didn't apply the math because I can't do math in my head, so... You got paper in front of you. Are you not playing by the rules? I, I No, I have paper in front of me, but... I, I haven't taken a math class, 
like a real math class since like I was a sophomore in high school. Oh, okay. And so <laughs> No, I'm yeah, not. Your going space, space points are never gonna add up. Space points. Space points. <laughs> Glad we're our, our title, title for this episode. It'll better 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 be uh, whispered space points. <laughs> It might just be a compilation of all the space point whispering up front. <laughs> there you go. That might be it. All right. Uh, question number six. The last question of the game. In millions, what was the average number of monthly visitors to Google.com in 2012? In millions. Millions. What was the average number of monthly visitors to Monthlies to google.com in 2012. Uh, Stu 600 million. Uh, Rachel, I also was going kind of along that route, so I was going to say 2,000 million. Two billion, well, two. I was thinking around like the seven billion people in the world kind of thing. Yeah, I, uh, I probably would have said in billions if the number was, uh, you know, in billions. <laughs> right. I think by default I win here. <laughs> uh, in millions, what was the average number of monthly visitors to Google in 2012? Uh, it is far lower than everything. It is 188 million monthly visitors. That's it? As monthly visitors, so on average... I mean, right. this was largely before Chrome and uh, and Android. Well, maybe not before Android. Somewhere oh, in there, or at least around on the year. Yeah, that part's important. <laughs> but uh, two points to stew there. That is the end of the game. When you go to space, it's like you never left. Uh, that is the end of the game. And uh, each episode, a couple of us give a movie, a game experience, something cool like that. We recommend you check out. Uh, Rachel, you have a pick. Yes, it is a show. Well, it's a show. It's a docu-series, I guess, is the best way to call it. It's on Netflix. It is called How to Fix a Drug Scandal. So I'm going to just give a kind of brief overview. It's a documentary, so there's not many spoilers because documentary. Um, but in essence, it follows kind of the story of two um, drug scandals in Massachusetts that would be one, um, these are chemists in the two state, two largest state drug labs, which is when people are arrested for drug offenses. One of the things that like prosecutors or police have to show is that there was like the drug in, that they're saying is a drug is actually a drug because as like the show explains, salt or sugar can look a lot like these drugs. So they actually have to test them. So it kind of, it, goes through two different drug scandals, one of which is about um, somebody who has had, like, faced so many demands of, like, like they were just so overwhelmed, so understaffed, and, you know, other things, like, personal, like, self-esteem things, where they started, like, batch testing, which is they would grab a bunch of samples that kind of all look the same, only test one, and then write off, like, ten others. Mm-hmm as being the drug, even if they're all unrelated cases. And then on the other side was actually somebody who had a drug addiction who was working in the lab for like 10 years and was using the drugs in the lab. Like, and so it's like this whole like fallout and they ended up 
like dismissing some like over 20,000 cases like oh people God. who had been in prison oh. like because I think these drug scandals began in like 2004 and so it's all about this fallout you know accusations of prosecutorial misconduct or the attorney's general's office trying to like cover this up but it's just like this like um the way that they portray it and the way that they've kind of summed it up is this is kind of a forgotten area of the justice system like it's just kind of like I guess the best word would be like a mechanical part where it's just like, yeah, somebody tests it. They say like, we have no reason to say that they're not. Cause it's kind of assumed that they're like a neutral arbiter of the evidence. Like they get it, they mm-hmm. test it. They don't, they don't go for, um, for one side or the other, but that calls it into question. So it's a very interesting dive into the people who were really exploring this kind of drug scandal and all the politics behind it in this kind of area. And it's not very legal in nature. Well, it is legal, like in the sense of there's like a lot of defense attorneys, but it's kind of, uh, it's exploring how the system failed. Like, how was it that in a drug lab where they're testing cocaine and heroin and stuff all the time, that none of the employees, like there was no mandatory drug testing. (laughs) Like, like the police have it like all the time, but for these employees, there was never any mandatory drug testing. It's like, this could have been caught immediately. Like, like just like kind of just standard things, but it's like, it talks about failures in the system. And uh, one of the attorneys puts it really good. It's like, he feels really bad for drug addicts because it's very, very hard for them already, like to stop. It's not like a, on a whim thing, you know? And so it's kind of a look bigger at the system. And so you actually get to hear at least from one of their families talking about the impact on this person and kind of what led to them to doing this and then kind of how the system failed even like years and years after. So it's really, really interesting. I highly recommend it. Like I was just like enthralled throughout it. Um, so does it focus more on like, I get it. It's, it's less on like people making it or being addicted to it or the sell of it. And it's more about like the prosecution and the, po- the politics behind it. I, I think it's exactly what the title is. I think that's really the best way to describe it is how to fix a drug scandal. You know, They've got a drug scandal. They've got thousands of cases. Now every all the science beyond these cases is significantly, if not completely, undermined. Yeah. Um, you know, calls into question, you know, they're calling into question all these timelines. If these people were impaired, when were they impaired? If these samples were, with, were messed with, when were they? And so you've got all these, like, timeline issues and all these, like, underlying things. So, like, you're trying to, f- like, it's fixing the fallout from a drug scandal. Huh. Right. It's really, really interesting. That's really cool. And it's on How to Fix a Drug Scandal. It's on Netflix. That's where I watched it, yes. Okay. Cool. Sounds good. All right, we'll have links to everything. Uh, and if you're listening, uh, send us a pic of something you've been checking out at com or sorry, at thingsthatgotwrong at gmail.com. You can also check out the website, com to check out all the past episodes, all the show notes, all of the pics we've ever done uh are all there on the website so the next episode will come out around the end of july that'll be the round robin game where all four of us are playing so keep an eye out for that and until next time we'll see you later bye Bye. Ba-da-ba-da-bum-bum-bum-bum. Duh.
Du, 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 du. 